0: Mac Power Users, episode 456, Workflows with Laura McClellan. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside with my pal David Sparks. Hello, David.
1: Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today?
0: I'm great. I am excited to be chatting with you and to be chatting with our guest who has been on my list of people that I've wanted to have on Mac Power users for long. Uh, She is a podcaster. She is an attorney. uh, She is a uh, working mother and wife, and I think she has a lot that she can share with us. She is the ultimate productive woman, uh, uh, co-host of the Productive Woman podcast. Uh, Please join me in welcoming Laura McClellan. Welcome, Laura. Well, hi, Katie and David. I'm honored to be here. Um, I, I I hopefully my my intro did you justice. Uh, you wear many many hats, as we could say. I
2: I have over the course of my life. Yes, I I have to confess that you know being a working mom. That's true. I've been that for a long time. My kids are all grown though, and and out of the house. So now I'm a working empty nester.
1: How is that, Laura? Because I feel like I'm heading that direction now, and uh, I don't know what to think about it.
2: And- it's, uh, you know, it's bittersweet. It it has uh, cost us a fair amount of money when our, our last kid left this summer to head up north to go to graduate school. My husband and I consoled ourselves by remodeling all three of our extra bedrooms into guest rooms. <laughs> so we've, we've, we've spent a bunch of money and time and now that's all done. So we'll probably have to just go sit in the corner somewhere and cry about our kids all being gone, I guess.
1: I'm going to be working so hard to pay off all these Tuition's. I won't have time to think about it. I I feel like it's going to hit me when they graduate college. (laughs) But the uh,
2: yeah, that may be the case. It's uh, you know we we're writing those checks for our son. I I mean, our older kids are old enough that they're independent. We actually, this is this is the I'll I'll date myself for sure. We have um, eight grandchildren in addition to our five kids. So three of our adult kids are married and have kids of their own.
1: Wow. Wow. But you know, uh, Katie was right with her introduction. Laura really is a busy lady. You've got um, all the stuff you're doing in in terms of an attorney and a mother and a grandmother and all these things. And you've also got this very successful and very uh, worthwhile podcast about uh, being a productive woman. And I, I, I'll tell you what, I, I don't fit in your demographic, but I've listened to the show and I think it's great. And I don't think anybody listening to this should hold off if they don't happen to be a woman, because I think you've got some great advice for everybody. And uh, we're really happy to have you on the show.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I try to make it not so specific to women, but you know there are some differences, I think, in how women experience the The challenges of being productive. But I have lots of guys who tell me they listen. So try to make them welcome.
0: Well, let's let's start off with that. Maybe how did you become the productive woman? What what started you down the path of deciding that you um, had some information and some knowledge to share and that you wanted to start a podcast about productivity specifically geared towards women?
2: Oh my goodness. Well, I've been a productivity nerd since I was at least middle school. That's you know, so way back in the day, I liked... so about
0: 10 years ago or so.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. Because I was a child bride. And so the whole thing with all the kids and stuff. But no, I mean, even in middle school and high school, I liked reading books and articles about time management and organization and stuff. And I just found all that stuff interesting. And it stood me in good stead as I got older. Uh, My husband and I married young, we were 18 when we got married and 20 when we had our first child. And so, and then we went to college. And so uh, all that stuff that I had been absorbing growing up came in handy as I was trying to manage going to college and then to law school with a house full of kids and, and a husband, of course. And uh, so, you know, those were just things that I'd learned, kept practicing and over time, you know, fast forward uh, many years, I guess, Uh, you know, people would come to me and ask me questions about productivity related things, time management, how are you getting this done? And what do you use for that? And um, I had discovered podcasts. And I thought, I might like to do a podcast and I thought well what would I talk about well there's this thing and so I don't come at it from the perspective of I'm the expert and let me tell you how to be productive it's more of a fellow traveler kind of thing Uh, as as I have learned things I share what I learn and when questions come in I go research answers and and so it kind of turned into a Uh, a a great experience for me. I've been doing it for about four years, a little over four years and have an audience kind of all over the world. I hear from listeners and that's, you know, not as huge and, 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 uh, global maybe as you guys are, but it's been a pretty great experience.
1: It's funny how much of this stuff is just in your blood from the beginning. I, when my mom passed away, I was going through her Her garage and I found some of my old peachy folders where when I was in like sixth grade, I invented Gantt charts, you know, for myself.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Some of us are just born, I guess, with the gene for that kind of thing. And, um, you know, which of course, as I've said, I don't think it makes me an expert. It's just something I'm very interested in. And I've tried a lot of things over the years and found some things that work.
1: Well, I want to hear how you're applying all that productivity to your Apple devices, because I know you also happen to be an Apple enthusiast
2: very much so i am something of an evangelist i'm always trying to convince my non apple friends to to come over to the light so <laughs> to speak and so i i feel i feel like i own pretty much everything they sell or at least one of everything they sell and more than one of some of them sorry katie i am a i'm a iPad. Hey, if, uh. if it helps
0: you get your work done, go go for it. So, why don't why don't we start there? Tell us a little <laughs> bit about uh, the tools of your trade. Tell us about the the setup that you have to help you get your work done. Sure,
2: I do most of my work work on um, a twenty seven inch iMac. One of the I think it was one of the first five K ones It came out kind of late late twenty fourteen. And so that's where I do most of my work. I have, I've always had a laptop as well. I recently gave my MacBook Pro to my son when he went off to graduate school and I got one of the 2018 MacBook Pro 13 inches, which I use either, sometimes when I travel other, otherwise, sometimes I use it just when I want to sit, work somewhere other than in my office here at home. Uh, and But the Mac is where I get a lot of my work done. I have a 12.9-inch MacBook Pro, or I mean, iPad Pro, excuse me, um, that I do a ton of stuff for my law practice on and some of the podcasting things on. So those are kind of my main tools, the iPad and my Apple Pencil.
1: Is that the original iPad, 12.9-inch iPad, or the one that they released last year?
2: Uh, I think it's the original one. I'm pretty sure I got it. Shortly after you did, because most you guys have cost me so much money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over the
0: years.
1: Yeah, we hear that
0: sometimes. <laughs> if only we could get some kind of commission off of that, and I think we'd both be rich. But
2: right, that's. It seems like you ought to Apple ought to be you know giving you guys a little bit of a, a kickback <laughs> for all the the good work you do on their behalf. Well, you know,
1: it's interesting that twelve point nine inch iPad because you know we talked last week about the new ones coming out, but. Um, and I did order one because I'm crazy, but you know, I, I've been, I use my 12.9 inch every day. I don't have a laptop anymore and it's still just fine in a lot of ways. I mean, it's three years old, but the thing still rocks for the stuff. I do on it.
0: And it's about to be obsolete in two days as we record this.
1: Yeah. The day after I record it, it's going to be a piece of junk. <laughs> when My new one arrives.
0: And
2: I'm so torn. I, I, I looked at the, um, you know, the specs on the new one. And I saw a bunch of things coming in. Um, I haven't had time to read the emails and stuff, but there are some reviews coming out on the the new one. But I really kind of want one, but I almost can't justify it because the one I have is great. And like you, David, I use it several times a day.
0: That didn't stop me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Katie went in too. The general narrative around it as it's coming out from a lot of the reviewers and, and people think a lot about the stuff is it's super powerful. But, you know, the, the iOS operating system has to catch up with the hardware now, which I think is a legitimate argument in some levels. But anyway, so, you, so you've got yourself a, a, the jumbo lunch tray style iPad. You've got an iMac and a MacBook um, do you look at those devices as like different contexts for work, or do you do all your work on all on everything?
2: I do, I do a little bit of everything on all of them. Um, most of my legal work I do on the iMac, just because I've got you know all the screen real estate that's helpful to me because I do a lot of drafting documents or um, you know where. I, I may have a term sheet open on half my screen and a Word document open on the other one and I'm drafting a set of loan documents or something like that. And so it's helpful to me to have that big screen. But um, I do s- some of that on the MacBook Pro. Certainly if I am if I travel for any length of time, I take the, the MacBook Pro with me. If I'm just going for a couple of days, I only take the iPad. And almost anything I need to do for my law practice, I can do on any one of those three.
0: And then you've got two Macs, you've got the the MacBook Pro and the iPad. Do you have it set up um, so that everything syncs back and forth? There's all of, are, are all of your documents kept in the cloud and you just keep the same set of applications on each? Is that how you, you keep being able to work on either?
2: Yeah, it's really important to me to be able to get at my stuff from wherever I am with whatever tool I'm using. And so um you know my firm has a document management system that's in the cloud and I can get at things from there. Um it's harder to get at those from my uh from my iPad, but I keep my the my working set of documents in um Dropbox and that is synced across everything i own so
1: yeah i think i think for a lot of people dropbox still is the answer i mean we we talked recently on the show about icloud versus dropbox and got a bunch of feedback on it and i feel like you have to have a reason to go icloud versus dropbox I mean, because dropbox still i think has better sharing it's certainly multi-platform whereas icloud is not and um and that's a very common thread we've heard from listeners. I think Apple still has some work to do before they convince a lot of people to to give up their Dropbox accounts.
2: Well, I think that's true, and I like iCloud, and I you know there are certain things that I keep there, but for my law practice, my clients don't know from iCloud. They and so a lot of times, when, if we get a set of, I'm I'm a real estate lawyer, and so I do transactional real estate. Um, work. And a lot of times the diligence materials, corporate documents or title and survey and that sort of thing, you know, the client has a Dropbox folder set up and they share it with us. And so that's how they're going to get us stuff. And they're they're not going to do that through iCloud, at least not yet.
1: Well, I mean, they'd have to be all in on Apple and that's just not the case too often, Um, especially in business. Yeah. Now, so, so Dropbox is kind of the uh, the lingua franca for sharing for cloud storage in your business. Um, uh, let's talk about that in relation to document generation as well. I mean, I, I'm assuming you're probably pretty invested in Microsoft Word.
2: Yeah, not because I love it, but because that's what my our clients use. And so... You know, you can convert documents from Pages to a Word format and send it off, but that's an extra step. That's for most purposes more trouble than it's worth. And so, yeah, I've got Word on all my devices. Um, our my firm's email is in Outlook, so and. No offense to the folks at Microsoft, but I don't love Outlook. But that's, you know, that's where we have where our email. So I have that on all my devices as well. So I can communicate with the people I need to communicate with for that side of my life.
1: Yeah, I don't really think there's a clear winner between Microsoft Word and Pages. There, there are certain things that Word does better, and there are certain things that Pages does better. Like, um, I feel like Word you know, they made some sacrifices when they went over to iOS, they, they cut features out. And as someone for who for years would make fun of word for slavishly putting every feature into every version. Um, I, f- I feel like they got a little too aggressive with the stuff they cut out on the version of word for iPad. Cause I like to use the iPad when I'm on the road and, and Microsoft word is missing several things that that pages does have in it. Um, but i guess you probably don't really have a choice if the people you're working with are expecting a microsoft word document in the email.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And so you 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 do miss some of the features and that's another reason why i'm i will do most of my work at least when it comes to drafting documents for my clients, most of that i'm going to do on one of my Macs. I can do it on my iPad. I've got a, you know, a keyboard case that i can use so i can type almost pretty much as fast on that as I can on one of my Macs, but word doesn't have some of the features and I have, you know, my little, little things that I do with my documents all the time. Cause I'm neurotic about the layout and that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Where, where does it break down for you on iPad when you use Microsoft word?
2: I think it's the, it's just some of the formatting stuff that I can do more quickly with, with keystrokes on my Mac. Yes.
1: Yeah, so like style formatting.
2: Yes, exactly. That's, that's the kind of thing that is just way easier to do on, on the Mac than it is to, on the iPad. So.
1: When it comes to style formatting, you can't even do it on the iPad. I mean, you can assign something to title or heading one, but if you say, I want heading, I want to change the font in heading one, you, it's not possible on iPad. And, um. The the only way I found around that is I've made like I have for when I write a contract because you know you and I kind of are in the same racket. um, I have templates saved that have the style formatting exactly how I want it. So if I'm starting a new contract from my iPad, I will use one of those templates. So, but I can't make changes. The only way I can make a change is to jump onto my Mac either through virtual desktop or. Or, you know, some sort of, you know, there's all different ways to get onto your Mac from your iPad and change the formatting there, which is completely bananas. You know, I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that, that keeps us from getting work done on iPad.
2: If, if all I need to do is type something, I can do that on my iPad when I'm traveling. So if I need to get that kind of work done, I can get it done.
0: And then I know you use your iPad for specific things. How are you using your iPad, particularly your your iPad Pro in your, your work life?
2: Well, the main thing I do with it other than, you know, sending and replying to emails is uh, reviewing and marking up PDFs. That's a big part of what I do. I draft a lot of documents. I review a lot of documents that other people have sent to me. And when they're PDFs, a lot of the time I will take my iPad, leave my desk and go sit somewhere with my iPad and a pencil and mark it up there. And then I can, you know, and that that's synced again through Dropbox so that when I get back to my, if I don't want to email it from wherever I'm sitting with my iPad, when I get back to my computer, it's there and I can send my comments off to whoever needs to see them. And that's one of my favorite things to do with uh, with the iPad Pro because... And I, it's one of the reasons why I love the 12.9 inch. My husband has the smaller one. I got him and he loves it. He writes music on it and does things with it. But I like the 12.9 inch for what I do with it because it's like sitting there with, you know, with a piece of paper, it's almost the size of a full sheet of paper. And, um, it's just very easy to do without having to carry a bunch of papers around. If I'm sitting out on the deck there, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to have papers blown around.
0: So I want to take a moment and thank our first sponsor for this episode, and that is our good friends over at One Password. You can learn more at onepassword.com slash MPU and get a discount when you sign up for One Password. So did you notice that 1Password was featured pretty prominently in the most recent Apple event? And that is because uh, 1Password has always been in the forefront of adopting the newest technologies that Apple has to offer. And it's no exception here with the new Touch ID sensor on the new MacBook Airs, um, as well as the Face ID features available on the new iPad Pros. 1Password has got you covered. OnePassword can make sure that all of your data is safe by making sure that you're using strong, unique passwords across all of your various sites and services, whether it's for yourself, whether it's for your family, or whether it's for members of your team. OnePassword is simply going to have you covered. And with the OnePassword Watchtower feature, they're going to help you fight breaches in ways that you never have been before. OnePassword uh, Watchtower helps you to connect with different services to see whether Uh, and identify whether accounts have been affected by breaches. So we all know that through no fault of your own, various accounts out there can have been hacked or can be breached. 1Password Watchtower keeps a a ready eye out for you. Uh, 1Password can now use the Have I Been Pwned database to find accounts that have been compromised based on the email address associated with your account, and they can do this without having to share your information with everybody. Uh, They will prepare a breach report with you that has a fair amount of information in it so that you can see what exactly has been compromised and what you need to do to make sure your database is safe. So you can learn if a login has been compromised, whether an email address has been compromised, maybe whether you've gotten a little too lax and have started repeating passwords across various sites and what you need to do to take care of the problem. You can do this all within the 1Password application. Just log in, scan through, see what you need to take care of and deal with it right then and there. And of course, with 1Password, all of your information syncs seamlessly across all of your devices using their 1Password backend. You can use 1Password on your Mac, on your iOS device, even on your PC and on your Android device. So head on over to one slash MPU to learn all about the latest and greatest features and give 1Password a try either for yourself, sign up your family members so that you know that your family is safe, Or consider 1Password for a team to make sure that everyone in your organization is using the best password practices because you're only as strong as your weakest link. Thanks to 1Password for your continued support of MacPower users.
1: Laura, before we took the break, you were talking about um, reviewing contracts. And I know that's kind of a, a niche thing. I do it, too, and I love it um in fact i feel like now when i try to do it on the mac i feel like i'm like reverting it's it's like a, it's definitely an inferior experience <laughs> but but there's a lot of people out there that have to look at documents that aren't necessarily lawyers and um i thought if you could take a minute just talk through the workflow of how you do that some of your favorite apps and and what works and doesn't work for you
2: sure it's something i do many times a day and if i have the sometimes you're going to comment on a document using Word and using track changes or something like that. But most of the time I prefer to either take a PDF that's been sent to me or use, I use PDF Pen Pro to convert a Word document to, um, to PDF. And then uh, I'll open it I actually use for my law practice most of the time I use PDF Expert as the app that I mark them up in and that really is the choice of one of my colleagues who needed who who wanted us both working in the same app um and I'll sit sit anywhere you know in a chair somewhere and open up the document the PDF and mark it up with my um my Apple Pencil and then save it back into Dropbox and email it off where it needs to go. I, I love uh, it, it, either of those apps work so well, because you can, you know, you you can highlight things, if I'm reviewing something just that for information, I can highlight text that I want to keep track of, and you can use different colors and, uh, you, you know, do the red pen of, approach if you're marking up something to give comments back to somebody. Uh, A lot of times I mark documents up, maybe somebody sent me comments on a document that I've drafted, the the lawyer on the other side has sent comments. And so I'm going to mark my response to their comments and then get on a call with the client and talk through with them. And I can use a different color of ink to indicate whether the clients said agreed with my approach or wanted to do something different. So that's one of the advantages of using one of these apps on the iPad Pro and with the Apple Pencil.
1: I, I do the thing where if it's in green, that's good for us. If it's yellow, you just need to be aware if it's red, that's bad. And we need to talk about it. And And the clients have kind of picked up on that over the years.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's a real handy feature of those kind of PDF handling apps to be able to color code things like that.
1: Now, do you like handwrite notes into it? Or do you like, t- like usually if you're doing a document review for someone, you need to, to give them more than just highlights. You need to kind of explain things. How do you go about doing that?
2: Most of the time, what I'm going to do is you know, I'll handwrite notes and then Probably put the, doc, the my marked up PDF into an email with a bullet point list of things that they need to focus on and, um, you know, and then get on the phone with them and talk through it.
1: So here's a question. I know this happens to me now after having this digital workflow for some times, have you ever had a written document in front of you? And I'm asking the question because I have done this. So don't feel bad. And you take your fingers and try and swipe the pages or swipe up on the document when it's printed out paper in front of you. Have you done that?
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I do. I do that all the time. And and I similarly, I'm so used to reading uh, books like in the Kindle app on my iPad, that when I run across a word or that I would like some background on, I start to reach out to, you know, in the Kindle app, you can press on a word and it'll bring up a definition and that sort of thing. And I find myself starting to do that, um, <laughs> you know, with yeah. a paper. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: I was two-finger swiping a piece of paper the other day going, okay, <laughs> now you're losing your mind.
2: Well, you know, you get it. it, it, it it's muscle memory. Yeah.
1: But, you know, I was making fun of the iPad earlier as a thing to get work done on. But for document review, it really is useful. I think, like, if you were a student or or if you were a researcher, I mean, I just feel like having all that stuff on this one device where your highlights get saved, I, I don't know. It's something that people, if anybody is in a job or a, uh, studying school, uh, where you review and read a lot of things, uh, figuring out this iPad workflow is really worth the time because it's it's really powerful. Katie, do you find yourself doing much of that stuff on iPad these days?
0: No, I don't swipe uh, actual paper or double tap on no. it. No,
1: okay, I know that because Katie, <laughs> you would never do that. But but I mean, I, and actually, you've got the smaller iPad. I think this may be a twelve point nine inch iPad thing more than a. A ten point five inch iPad
0: thing. Yeah, I do a lot of reading on my iPad, but um, you know, I don't have the fancy schmancy Apple pencil. I, maybe I'll add it with the with the new one. We'll see. So, well, Laura, I wanted to talk to you about your home office. I know you mentioned that you've now that you're an empty nester have been renovating all of your uh, your kids' rooms into to other things. But I happen to know that you've also you now work out of your home. Um, and tell us a little bit about, uh, how, how that went. Did you, have you always had a home office or is this something that you have, uh, set up, uh, recently or, or curated over time?
2: Uh, a little of both. I've had, always had a space at home where I worked, uh, and we're fortunate. We live out in the boonies in a pretty large house. So there was a room, you know, an extra bedroom that I had commandeered as a home office that I would try to work from when I could. We live uh, out in the country about an hour northeast of Dallas. And so for many years, I was commuting all in, you know, into Dallas every day. Uh, And I would try in an effort to try and be efficient and make better use of my time, I would try to work from home one day a week or so if I could. Um, But a little over a year ago, I changed firms and changed my working Situation to where I work exclusively from home, and um, my husband, who (laughs) mad props to him, is is a handyman. In addition to being an engineer, he completely redid my home office to make a really nice space to work in. So I'm pretty lucky, and um, you know it's it's got all the stuff you would need to to uh, run a law practice from. And to do a podcast and the things that are associated with that, so um, you know,
0: what would you like to know, Katie? Well, what have you got in there? Um, any anything in particular that you've done to to set it up just just for you, or is it kind of the standard? You've got the desk and the and the computer. Um, any any special touches that that you think would would be pertinent to touch on?
2: Well, I've got my my uh, big iMac sitting on one corner, kind of. I didn't want it in the center of my desk because I have some chairs that, you know, my husband or one of the kids, when they're around, will come and sit in here and talk with me. And I didn't want the computer screen between me and them. Um, but I've got my desk facing out into the center of the room, so I don't have my back to the door. And I've got we, a big bay window, so I've got a great view out there. And behind me, I've got a a set of shelves that basically serves as a credenza where I keep some resource materials and I have a printer back there. And I've got my scan snap, thanks to you guys, um, sitting nearby because every once in a while I still need to scan things. And, um, I'm trying to think what else I have in here that's of interest, you know, storage for paper and those sorts of things. I have my, my, uh, IMAX sitting up on a a raised stand, so it's kind of more at eye level for me as I sit here at the desk. Probably the most important thing I did was get a good, comfortable chair.
1: Well, everybody's going to ask, Laura, so you might as well tell us, which chair did you get?
2: Oh, my goodness. I should have known you to ask me that. I'll have to look at it. It's not a really expensive one. It's one I got, you know, at a a big box store, but I went and sat on several of them and it's very comfortable. I'll, I'll see if I can find it and I'll give you a link to, to the one that, that it's like, but I, you know, if you're going to be, if you sit at a desk, if, and if you don't have a standing desk, like I know you do that, David, um, you got to have a comfortable chair. And so it's just it's an office chair, but it it's one that suits my size. I'm five foot three and a half, so some office chairs are too big for me, and I feel like I'm a little kid sitting at the big you know at the grown ups table with my feet dangling.
0: <laughs> and then I know you also run a podcast. I presume you also run your podcast out of this office as well.
2: I do. Um, and I'm kind of lucky because my husband is a musician, among other things. And so when I decided to launch the podcast four years ago, I raided his gear closet. So I I actually have a mixer and a really good microphone and stuff. And I keep all of that on a, a rack. Um, David will know what what I, I think will know what I mean, you know, like a, a rack that people put music devices in i've got one of that one of those that's on wheels and my mixer sits on top of it and i've got a couple rack mounted like a a equalizer thing and and it just rolls into a closet when i'm not recording i
1: feel like laura for your fifth year of podcasting you need to expand on that you need to get like an electric guitar and just like you know keep it in the (laughs) rack and then you know on your productivity show you know once in a while just hammer out like a A good solid chord once in a while. Your husband could help you with this.
2: It would be a great idea if I actually knew how to play the guitar, but I don't. (laughs) So (laughs) I could get a little, I can play a little bit of piano. So I suppose I could put one of those in here somewhere.
1: Or or get one of those guitars with the uh, piano keys on it. Then that'll work too.
0: Yeah, Uh, I'll I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> you could, you could just then have like, you know, like the tonight show and whatever it does. You could have someone there, you could have background music and, you know, a little interlude and, and all kinds of things. going. Uh, on or if
1: I have time, I'll bring my sacks and I'll be your backup band. I'll just be back there. And whenever you make a funny joke, I'll play a little song, you know, something
2: awesome. <laughs> That's, you know, I'm, I'm taking notes here.
1: I, I do think it's good though. Like when you have multiple uses for space, that you have the ability to convert quickly, you know, and that's exactly what you've described. It's like, uh, you don't, when you, when it's a law office, it's a law office. And when it's a podcast studio, you roll your rack out, you've got the the gear there and it's, it's there when you need it, but not there when you don't need it. And I, I do think, uh, like all of us, we have limited space and we, but we do a lot of different things and being able to customize the space for different work modes. I think that actually helps your brain shift gears and, and get, get the job done.
2: I agree a hundred percent. And it's, uh, for me when I'm, especially when I'm really busy and I, I know I've got to sit down and record because I batch record my podcast episodes. And when I know I need to sit down and record two, three, four, whatever I'm going to do on that day, uh, I am like anybody else. I can procrastinate with the best of them. And laundry looks real interesting when I, you know, know I need to sit down and do something like that. I love doing the podcast, but it it requires a lot of thought to do it. And f- for me, if I can just get the rack out here and the microphone set up, that's like two thirds of the battle. And I think that's true for anybody on any project you're doing, any any you know important work. Getting started is often the hardest part. And so anything you can do to make that easy or easier to reduce that friction is going to make a huge difference in your ability to to get the stuff done.
1: I always feel like, you know, like if you want to go to the gym and you feel like you can't just put your gym clothes on. That's all. Don't say don't tell yourself you're going to the gym. Just put the gym clothes on and you'll then see what happens.
0: I love the idea that you batch record your podcast. David and I on occasion have have recorded a doubleheader and have done, you know, two shows back to back with our show being about an hour and a half each that that makes for a long night, particularly after we both kind of uh, wrap up from our for day job. But if particularly if you have uh, a show, that's not quite as long in format uh, I, I think it's great to to knock off. Uh, I I love the idea of batching work, and I think we'll we'll probably talk a little bit uh, about that later. But you know, it's great because you can feel really accomplished if you can sit down for a day and then get a month's worth of shows recorded, and then you know now now you can spend your time and energy focusing on something else
2: yeah that's and that's exactly the intention there and it's taken me you know several years to get to that point because i don't script my show but i do outline it because i when i started i didn't have a lot of time to spend on editing and i was doing it all myself and so i would outline so that i could do it in in one take, basically, and not have to do a bunch of editing after it was done. Over time, I've gotten, you know, better at it. And I've gotten to uh, some help with parts of it and gotten to where I will, you know, work on outlines until I've got two or three, maybe four outlines the way I want them to do. And then if I can just get the gear out once, set it up, sit down, record them and put the gear away. I've saved the time of setting up and tearing down multiple times. And uh, as you said, then the the rest of you know the next few weeks, I don't have to think about recording. I can focus on other things that are important to me.
1: So, so what do you use when you record? I mean, you've got an outline you're looking at, so you've got some application for that. You've got some kind of recording software. I'm presuming you do it all on your iMac.
2: Well, I, I do it but I don't use recording software. I it's all it's hardware. Um and so my outline my outlines are all in Google Docs. Um, and my gear for recording is an external mixer and a pretty nice microphone. And then I I use an external digital recorder and it, oh, it's okay. all my husband helped me set it up way back then. Yeah. So I don't record it onto the iMac. Uh, if I have a guest and I only have a guest about every three or four episodes, then, um, that audio has to come out of the Mac into my mixer, through the mixer, and into this um, external recorder. Okay. And so it saves it on a little SD card.
1: Interesting. So, yeah, that is uh, that is an unusual setup. For most podcasters, they've got, you know, Logic or GarageBand or some way of, of doing the recording locally on their Mac. But you're, you're doing it straight on to the uh, the digital audio system.
2: Yeah, and this is probably just because uh, it's the way I learned when I decided to, to that I wanted to launch a podcast, I did some research, and I ended up taking a month long course. Um, A guy named Cliff Ravenscraft used to do uh, uh, this podcasting A to Z course that took a month. And um, he doesn't do it anymore. He's doing some other things. But that that's the approach he taught. You know, sometimes I think it would be easier if I didn't have to, you know, this mixer and all the other stuff, if I could just sit down with a USB microphone and uh, record it right into GarageBand or something like that. Um, But I just haven't taken the time to rethink through another way to do it. I've been doing it this way now for four years, and I'm, I'm pretty efficient at it.
1: Well, well, I like the idea that it'd be a lot less distractions. Like when you want to focus on recording, like uh, you don't have to think about looking at the screen and monitoring levels and things like that, that we do when we're looking at software. But then the part of me is terrified about the idea that something would go wrong and I wouldn't realize it.
0: Well, and how often um, it's probably a lot more reliable. If you, once you hit record on the little recorder, you're not worried about what happens if something crashes or or what happens if there's a hiccup in the, the hardware, you've got your recording on the, the Zoom recorder or whatever it is.
2: Yeah, and that's, I think that was the rationale behind it. Back when I started, I say back when I started, I haven't been doing it as long as you guys, but even four years ago, the software was less reliable, I think. Um, it It maybe is a little more reliable now, but I still have to kind of keep an eye on levels because there's a screen on my recorder. I use a Roland RD zero r08 or something like that Um, and it's got a little little screen on it that shows the levels and so i keep an eye on that to make sure i'm not you know overdriving it or that my guest is coming through loud enough onto the recording if it's if it's a guest episode but when it's just me it's it's pretty easy other than just, I would like to have the closet space back. Honestly, David, that's the, the, the rack is a pretty good size. And, and so I keep telling my husband when we have time, it might be worth looking into a, a simpler, less, uh, you know, simpler routine that uses less gear.
1: Yeah. I, I've lately been mounting things under my desk and I, now I'm getting to the point where it's all there, but you don't see it very, unless you really look for it. Uh, this episode of the Mac Power Users is sponsored by uh, OmniFocus 3 for Mac, and OmniFocus 3 for Mac is out, gang. They they've got it out. They did a great job. This new version is definitely a winner. Um, they've they've been hard at work on this version for some time and i think it really delivers the goods the the new version features a unique design that makes smart useful changes without making change for the sake of change itself you know i i think that's an easy trap to fall into when you've got a, a product like omnifocus that's been around for, for a while no they're keeping it awesome but they're just turning the dial where it makes sense to turn a dial. And some of the things they did to do that are things like adding tags. And I'm going to be banging the drum of tags for some time here on the show because I just keep finding more uses for them. Tags are a way to allow you to get into a large database and find things that you can do um, in a very easy manner and without forcing you to spend a lot of time going through your whole task list. And I think that's the real beauty of OmniFocus 3. I've got tags for energy levels, for people in my life. I've got tags for locations. um, And I've even got tags for different activity bases like Max Sparky versus the law practice. Like, you know, like Laura, if I decide, okay, I want to do some contract review, I've got a tag for contract review and all the stuff that's sitting in my plate that needs review comes up and I can just open that up on my iPad and switch over to my PDF app and then just start working on them. And that is the beauty of OmniFocus 3. It works both on the iOS and the Mac. Uh, like I said, this new version is out for Mac. It looks really great. And um, I, you know, I use it every day. I don't know what else I can say about it. Uh, so if you go over to omnigroup.com, you can download a free trial, learn it for yourself. Uh, the, in the, um, the OmniFocus Field Guide, the third version I have out now, I, I give away like a half hour of it watch that. It's free. It doesn't cost any money. I'm not asking you to spend any money. Just watch it. Uh, Download the trial and play along and just see how easy it is to get your act together. I mean, life is really hard. We all have multiple responsibilities. Like Laura, we've got kids, and we've got commitments, and we've got multiple jobs that we do. You need something like OmniFocus at your back that's going to take care of you, and that's exactly what it does. I'm so happy for the gang at the OmniGroup for getting it out. They're really nice people, and they're really smart programmers and designers, and they've spent a lot of time making this application just right. So head over to OmniGroup and download a copy of OmniFocus 3 for the Mac. Try it out, and uh, let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users Thank you, Omni Group, for all of your support of the Mac Power Users.
0: So, Laura, what are you using to um, kind of keep keep your podcast on on track in terms of what are you going to talk about? Um, you know, famously, Mac Power Users wasn't going to last more than ten episodes because we would run out of things to say, but uh, somehow we've managed to find a, a few more things. Um, what are you? How are you organizing all of that information?
2: Boy, I. I- I am amazed personally that I'm still going four years later because I I feel the same way you guys did. I thought, well, maybe I can get a year's worth of stuff out of this. How many different ways can you talk about productivity? And so far, I've found uh, it'll be episode 215 this week. So I found a few things. I, I probably the hardest thing about a a podcast or, you know, putting out a podcast year week after week for that many years is coming up with the ideas. And so I make a point of trying to capture them whenever something comes to me. And I, for the last four years, I've been doing that in Evernote. So I've got a running list of ideas, uh, in Evernote and I you know I'll do, do strike through or I'll move it down to the bottom when I've used it but whenever I have an idea of something I could talk about maybe inspired by something I read or something I heard or an email from a listener or a conversation in the productive woman community Facebook group I uh, I capture those ideas, I put them into Evernote. And I was, um, Dave and I talked at one point, I told him, I'm thinking about moving that to notes. But right now, it's it's in Evernote where it's been for quite some time. And when it comes time to s- sort of pick a topic, I, pl- I have to plan ahead because, you know, like a lot of people, I'm doing this, this is my thing that I kind of do on the side, I have a day job as a lawyer, I don't have Unlimited time to stare out the window and think of things to talk about. So w- I plan a- episodes well in advance. And when I'm looking at the weeks I'm planning for, I'll go into that list and I'll kind of just whatever catches my attention, I'll pull that out and I'll say, I'm going to do an episode about that. And then I create the outline. Uh, I have a template for the outline in Google Docs. And so it goes in there and I st- brainstorm a list of ideas of what I might want to say about that topic. If I'm feeling stuck, I might take my iPad and my Apple pencil and go sit somewhere else and just handwrite a a brainstorm kind of thing uh, on the iPad. I use Notability for that. And um, but once I've kind of figured out what I want to say, I plug it into the outline and I start moving things around and When I've got my list of things of what I think I might want to say about it, then I go out and I research it and I, you know, go to the Googles and um, see what other people maybe have said about it. Um, and I think this is a hangover from law school and being on law review where you're not allowed to have an original thought. Everything you say in your note has to be, your, you know, your law review note has to be footnoted. So I, I can't just say my ideas. I always want to go out and see, all right, what else have other people said about this that might be relevant to what I want to s- discuss on this topic. Cite your source. Uh, Yes. Cite my source. I always do. I've got, especially
1: in productivity. I mean, it it all goes back to Peter Drucker. It seems like inevitably.
2: Yeah, it it really does. And, and so um, I always, I always try to make sure that I give credit where credit's due. And, and, you know, I'll share some quotes if something's relevant, but I always cite it in the show notes. So people can go back to the source that I got it from um, and then I use that outline to record that you know, if I've sponsor uh, sponsors for those episodes, I'll put my talking points in the appropriate place so that when I sit down to record, I can just start at the beginning of the outline. And, and as I said, it's not scripted, it's just bullet points and those sorts of things and start at the beginning and go through to the end. And then I share that outline with, uh, I have a virtual assistant who helps, who does the first draft of the show notes. I hand off the recording to my audio editor who happens to be my husband uh, right now. And, um, and then I move on to the next thing that I'm going to do. So that's kind of my approach. I To keep things going, to make sure that I um, get things done in time, I have projects for each episode in OmniFocus, and and that's, that's what, you know, it dings at me and tells me, okay, Laura, it's time to work on this piece of that episode, um, and... I just, I do what
0: OmniFocus tells me. <laughs> that's, that's always a good good plan.
1: You and me both, sister. You and me both. They, I, I have a couple questions for you on that. And um, I, well, Katie, you go first.
0: One of the things that I, I really like that you've done with your show is you have continued to expand and evolve it. And David and I have done that a little bit with Mac Power Users. You know, we expanded to our workflow shows and our guest shows and the MPU Plus shows. And now we've got this great um, um, talk.macpowerusers.com community. But you have also reached out to your audience in different ways. You've got a newsletter. uh, You've got these mastermind meetings that you do. You've got a book club. Um, How has that evolved and then also enriched the experience? So it's not just a podcast. It's it's really this whole community now that you do.
2: Yeah, and that's the best thing about doing this podcast. Uh, Honestly, when I launched it way back in the day, I thought, well, maybe my mom will listen because she likes me. But there was no reason for anybody to listen to the show. It's not like I, you know, was known for anything. But uh, much to my delight, it uh, has caught on in a community has built up built up around her, which is what I wanted. Uh, The whole point of the podcast is to start a conversation among people, specifically women, but not exclusively women um, who want to make lives that matter. And so uh, as I started hearing from listeners, and, and and interestingly, early on, I would get to the point where I was feeling like, why am I doing this? You know, I'm just talking to myself once a week. And is this really making a difference? I could, you know, I could go watch TV and have the night off instead of having to work on a podcast. Uh, And whenever I'd start to get discouraged or tired, I'd get an email from a listener sharing how something that had happened in an episode was meaningful to them. And that's what's kept me going. And as that grew and expanded, I wanted to find other ways to, um, to serve that community. And so I, I had a Facebook page, I know you guys have moved off of Facebook. um, But for me, it's worked well, the page was useless. I mean, Facebook just doesn't let people see things on pages very well. But I decided to start a group specifically for the women who listen to the podcast. And that grew and grew and has become very, a very engaged community and a very, um, a great source of ideas for me, a great source of encouragement. But what I love about it is, um, I've tried to encourage conversations there. And so women from literally all over the world who are part of this group will pop in there with a question about something they're struggling with, you know, and they're managing their time or just some element of their life. And before I can even get there to answer, other women in the community are jumping in with ideas and words of encouragement and have you thought about this? And I tried this and this helped with that. And so it's just been a great thing. And the book club kind of grew I had thought, well, I could do what could I do with them besides just, you know, post a, a, a meme every once in a while. Um, and I thought about a book club, but somebody in the community popped in there and said, have you thought about doing this? And I said, I have, let's do it. And so three or four times a year, I'll take, I'll say, let's, you know, let's pick a book and I'll take suggestions and then I'll do a poll and the community votes. Um, and the book that gets the the most votes is the one we're all going to read together for a month and discuss in the Facebook group. And then at the end of the month, we jump onto, I schedule a Zoom call. A video conference kind of thing, and we whoever can make it jumps in there, and we have a video discussion, a live discussion of the book. And I've been real fortunate that um, most of those cases, the authors have been willing to join us on that conversation, so the community's gotten to ask them questions about the book that we, um, you know, that we had read together and get the authors' insights onto it. So those are some of the things I do. A newsletter once a month. Uh f- just went out um today because it goes out the first Monday of each month. And you know, so those are the things I'm doing with that community. That's probably more than you wanted to know. <laughs>
1: no, that's that's really great. Um I, I wanna go back and get in the weeds just a little bit um though, in terms of your production. You now you said that at some point you'll say this is the show I wanna do, and then you'll start working on outline. How many times do you go back into the topic? Between the decision to to do a show on it and the time you start recording, I mean, how is there how much time do you spend in there?
2: Oh my goodness, it depends on the topic. Some of them come together real easily. Others, uh, I have to sort of walk around it for a while, c- trying to look at it from different angles, figuring out what is it I want to say about this this topic, um, and so it can you know. I now because now I am trying to get at least a month out ahead like right now I'm actually trying to uh, record all my episodes through the end of the year by mid-November so that um, I can normally I try to take the last two weeks of December off so that I can work on my you know, my planning, my goal setting for the coming year. Um, You know, some of them, I can throw it together in half an hour, and it works. Others, it takes me a couple of weeks of, you know, being in the outline for a few minutes here and there, or an hour here, Um, just trying to trying to crystallize what it is I want to say because I want to feel like I'm actually adding value to make, I, I don't ever take it for granted that these people want to listen to what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, That's similar to our experience. Sometimes a, a, sh- a topic and a show comes together really easily. I've been working on one for project management for Mac power users for two months. It's not ready yet. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I don't know when it's going to be ready, but the uh, sometimes it just takes a while. I get what you're saying though about, you know, when you hear that some you've helped somebody out, it really it, that's really the juice that keeps this whole podcasting business going.
0: Yeah, I, I for me it certainly is. I heard you mention that you use a virtual assistant to help you with your podcast and perhaps with some other stuff. And that's something that has always intrigued me. And I know David has looked into it a little bit and ultimately ended up finding his assistant very, fairly close to home. Um, tell me a little bit about the virtual assistant process. And I guess maybe let's start with how did you figure out that you needed one and that a virtual assistant was right for you?
2: Well, Like many things I do, I had to agonize about it for several months. Um, I, like you, like lots of people, I've got the day job. It takes, and being a lawyer takes a lot of time and brain power and energy, but the podcast was important to me. I was trying to do everything myself and I don't know if burning out is the right phrase, but I was exhausted And I realized there are pieces of the, uh, of doing the podcast that I love and pieces of it that only I can do. Nobody but me can choose the topics and really can outline it, but I don't have to do the first draft of the show notes. And I certainly don't have to do the audio editing. I can do it, but I don't need to do it. And so over, I've only had my VA for, um, it's coming up on a year. It'll be a year in December. And I just had gotten to the point that I realized I can't do it all. I need to get some help. I'm going to have to be brave and commit myself to spending some money to get some help. And some of that, I got encouraged to think about this through a business coach that I worked with for a while, Natalie Eckdahl, who has her own podcast called Biz Chicks. Um, And she encouraged me to consider doing this. And I was really worried about it because I thought, why, you know, spending money um, on something that is not uh, a big revenue generator. And at that time, I, you know, I'd had some sponsors, but I didn't have consistent income. Uh, But I just decided for my own mental health, that's the short answer. I I needed to get some help with some of the pieces of what I'm doing that don't need my hands on them. And so I started
0: researching what the options were. And then how did you figure out what were things that you could hand off to somebody? Because I think we, many of us are, are there, we're realizing we're, we're overwhelmed, we would like to hand something off to somebody, but the reason that we don't is because it would take me too long to try to figure out how to, to handle this off to somebody than I, than I could actually do it myself. So what, how do you know what are things that are, are, are ripe to hand off to a VA versus maybe what, what you should be keeping?
2: That's a hard question, I think, for a lot of us, and, and especially people that have a lot of things they're doing. We um, we tend to think nobody can do it as well as we can. And I'm trying to be uh, I'm trying to be generous to others. For me, I'm a little neurotic about how things are done. I, ca- I I care about how how documents look. I care about you know just all of that stuff. It was hard for me to consider letting go of some of that. I had learned to delegate, to let go of some things just as part of my law practice at my prior firm. You know, we had associates, I had a secretary down the hall, and I had to, as just a survival mechanism, partly, uh, had to learn to let go. But as far as what to let go of, it it really requires, I think, stepping back and looking at what are all the steps of what I'm doing here, and what can only be done by me. And, and and you have to really be honest with yourself about that, because some of us, and I'm pointing at myself, have this sort of, whether conscious or not, idea that, well, it all can only be done by me, because I'm the one who knows how it should be done, and I'll do it right. But really, what what can only be done by you, everything else either doesn't need to be done at all or can be done by somebody that you train and the the whole idea of it'll take more time to train somebody else to do it yes in the beginning it will but that's that's I think something that holds back a lot of us from getting the help we need to to take things to you know to use a cliche to the next level in our business or whatever it is we're doing we we won't let go of anything and we and our, our progress suffer for it.
1: I know the first time I had an, a virtual assistant helping me out with something that I would traditionally do, something that would take hours normally, and I would be sitting there and maybe watching TV with my kids or doing something productive, I don't know, but just the idea that work was getting done that I wasn't doing It was like a narcotic. (laughs) It was just so wonderful to know that, you know, something is getting done and it's not necessarily me staying up till midnight again. And um, yeah, I'm with you. It's something that you just have to bite the bullet
2: and do it. Yeah. And you really just have to think honestly about what are the pieces of this that somebody else could do and, and could learn to, and the fact is a lot of people who are VA's, some of these things, they're better at some of some of these things than we are, and they like doing it. That's the
0: other thing.
1: Yeah, just because it's grunt work for you doesn't mean it is for somebody else necessarily.
0: And then let's talk logistics. How did you find your virtual assistant? How did you all make the connection and figure out that you were, were right for each other and then start your relationship?
2: I... Did a lot of looking around at various services. If you Google virtual assistants, you'll find all kinds of services. In fact, I looked at it earlier today, I I Googled it, um, and there are articles out there sort of rating the different services that provide virtual assistants. And I looked at some of those, uh, but ultimately I decided for what I wanted, I kind of wanted somebody who believed in what I was doing. Uh, because most of what I, you know, my, my VA helps me with things related to the productive woman, the podcast and some of the other things that I'm doing. And so honestly, Katie, what I did was I reached out to my community and I said, I need some help. This is the job description. And this is what I'm looking for. If you think that's you send me an email and, uh, and we'll talk. And I got, several women in the community who were interested. And so I scheduled interviews with them, narrowed it down to a couple um, that seemed like really good, could be a good fit. And I gave them kind of a sample project to do. And ultimately had to, I could have gone with either one of them. They were both great. But uh, the one that I chose, Sarah, was just, we just connected. So that, that you know, for, for somebody like me, or you guys could do the same thing with, the, I know you have help with certain things you do for Mac power users. I don't know whether those people came from the community or not, but uh, that that's what worked best for me.
0: And then how do you communicate? I think you said Sarah was her name. How do you communicate with Sarah? How do you assign tasks? And how does that process work?
2: We, we use a couple of things. Um, we, I, We work in Asana. That's where we have our, um, you know, our projects for each episode and the little columns as it moves through the process. So we're both in there. And then just for kind of communication, we use Slack. And that's been working pretty well.
1: So uh, tell me this now as you've got started getting a virtual assistant have you found additional work for her as well
2: Yeah I've had her do different things like she took over so she does the first draft of my show notes she does um she finds the f- photos like f- for my podcast I have a photo an image for each episode uh and it's in the post and then she I use that photo to make social media images so we can promote the episode a little bit. She took over doing that. And that was a huge relief for me because, uh, I would spend hours looking for just the perfect photo and she is very good at finding, she'll find three or four and say, just one of these trip your trigger. And I'll say, Ooh, I like them all uh, almost, you know? And so she does that. She creates the social media images. I've found, um, I've had her research potential sponsors for the show and um, she helped me identify and did, you know, kind of made the first contact with a couple that did end up signing on to sponsor some episodes. Um, You know, I've had her do things like uh, if uh, I'm thinking about maybe having t-shirts made or something. So she'll research sources for that. I did a giveaway uh, to celebrate 200 episodes in four years. And she, I had her research ways of um, setting up giveaways. So the, the longer I work with her, and the more she got kind of in the flow of what I do and why I do it and how I do it, uh, the easier it was for me to find things to have her do. And we, she's, She's out of the country right now, and so we haven't done it for the last three or four weeks, but we I should have mentioned it on the communication thing, especially early on. We had a quick meeting in Zoom, a video chat um, every week just to touch base, and that was a huge help. I recommend that for somebody, especially if you've got a new VA that you're kind of trying to get used to working with, being able to see each other and and just even if it's just for 10 minutes to talk about here's where we are here's what needs to be done. Any questions? Okay, we're done. That's been
0: helpful.
1: I, I think looking at this thing from the beginning, the very first thing you said was I looked at the stuff that only I could do. And then everything else was basically on the table, the stuff that, that not only you could do. And I think that's such a great, healthy way to look at this If you're if you're considering this stuff. You know, spend a couple weeks, you know, look whether it's using time tracking or just a pad of paper. Every time you find yourself working any significant period of time on things that someone else, if they had the right training, could do in your place. And if you start looking at that list, that is an excellent place to start from uh, when hiring a VA.
2: And you can, there are tools you can use to to help with the training. I actually, as far as teaching her how to do the show notes and get them into WordPress into the site, I just did a, a, a used um, screen flow and recorded myself doing it. And then kind of narrated um, w- what I was doing and why and gave her that that, um, screencast, which is nowhere near as good as the ones you do, David, but it helped her see what I would, how to do what I was doing.
1: No. And I talked about this on free agents recently that that's exactly what I do too. With my assistant is every time I have a new task for her that she's never done before, I just do it and narrate it. And it is not my typical produced screencast. It's a simple screencast. You know, I don't have theme music, (laughs) you know, but when it's done, um, she has a video and it's a great resource, not only for her, but whoever takes her place someday. Exactly. And, and especially when you're giving them something that they're not going to be doing every day. If I give you this thing today and then you may not do it for another four weeks, if I give you a video, you can always go back and watch the video again and refresh yourself. Um, and it, it's just it's a great way to do the training. You build up this library. It's it's way better than like trying to type up documents and all this stuff. Just show them. On the screen, because most of the virtual assistant stuff is computer stuff anyway.
0: This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace is the service that lets you easily create a website for your next idea. You can pick up a unique domain, use one of their award-winning templates, and you are all set. Regardless of whether you want to set up an online store, maybe create a portfolio, start your own blog, even host a podcast, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about being any of that stuff. You don't have to be the administrator or the network engineer of your own website. Squarespace just has you covered. They have award-winning customer support, so if you need any help along the way, you can just dial somebody up on chat, send them an email, and they'll always quickly and easily get back to you. Squarespace lets you quickly grab a unique domain name, and they have all of these award-winning templates that are beautifully designed so you can show off your greatest ideas. And all of the Squarespace templates are infinitely customizable, so you don't have to worry about your Squarespace website looking like just another cookie-cutter website off the web. Squarespace has been hosting my websites for years, and I've been using Squarespace whenever I have to design a website for somebody else. It is super easy for me to get another organization up and running on a Squarespace site. I set it up, I do all the legwork, and then best of all, I get to turn it over to them and say, hey, here's Squarespace, here's your website, let me show you a few things, and if you have any help, view these tutorials or call these folks, and you are good to go. If you decide that you want to switch over to Squarespace for your website, or you have a new project or idea that you want to get kicked off, head over to Squarespace. Squarespace.com to sign up now and start your free trial. You can start a free trial and use offer code MPU when you decide to sign up to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for Mac Power users. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU and the promo code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks again to Squarespace for their continued support of Mac Power users. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website.
1: Now, Laura, we're definitely straying into free agents territory here. And I do want to get talk, get back to talking about apps with you a little later. But you are like pushing all my buttons when you on your show start talking about routines and some of the things you do. So I thought, can we just take a few minutes to talk about that stuff? Sure. So tell us what, why are routines important to you? And what, what, how you use them?
2: Well, I think routines, we, we all actually follow routines. We all have them in our life. Uh, what I try to talk about on the show and what I try to practice in my life is being intentional about the routines that I follow. I think they're important because they save time. They increase your efficiency um, because you're not having to make decisions about what to do next or how to do it. When you have certain routines in place, those decisions have been made and you can just move forward and it becomes habitual, which leaves psychological space for more creative thinking or problem solving or those sorts of things. And I I think it has uh, developing routines and those those sorts of rituals in our life have a long-term impact because what what we do regularly is far more important than what we do occasionally. And so by being intentional and thoughtful about the routines that we use, uh, we save time for, you know, valuable things that we can do with our minds.
1: And that's, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this right now. that are thinking, you know, that's not a bad idea. So how do they get started with it?
2: Well, I think you just look at um, what, at, the things you're already doing start to become more aware and more conscious of things you do routinely. I mean, a routine is just some, uh, uh, there's a definition of it that I think I talked about at one point in an episode. It's just a sequence of actions that are regularly followed. So what are some things that you already do routinely, uh, regularly, whether it's a daily kind of thing or or a weekly sort of thing, it can be something as simple as how do you do your grocery shopping? I have a routine for that, um, that saves me a ton of time. What, What do you do in the morning? And how can you set up your morning routine in such a way that you can get things done efficiently and calmly and get your day off to a good start? I think morning routines and evening routines are maybe the Easiest and best place to start?
1: Yeah, I I did that uh, a while back and I used OmniFocus. Just I have what I call daily list. And then what I do is I use start times as a method to break into morning and evening. You know, it's got a 1600 hour start time for the evening stuff. And I sat down and just thought to myself, what would be a perfect startup for each day for me? You know, what are the things that I would get done to start the day? And it's interesting uh, for my own experiment with it, how quickly it got adopted and and how quickly things fall apart if I don't follow it.
2: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing as you were talking about that. Cause I have certain kind of rituals that I follow uh, to start my day out. It's, it's very different now that I work from home Uh, as opposed to when I used to have to commute an hour into Dallas to go to an office. And I did something similar to what you're describing. What would make this day start off well? And there are certain things that I do each morning to kind of, um, I don't get centered, I guess, and I don't want to get too woo-woo there. But, um, you know, to get myself ready to have a good day. And yet, even though I know the benefits of that, some days, maybe I've got several closings going on, lots of legal work, and it's and I feel like under pressure to get stuff done. So instead of doing my normal routine of a few minutes of meditation and reading a chapter out of a, a inspiring book or something... I find myself sitting at my computer in my pajamas starting my work day before I've had breakfast or anything else. And those days never go as well as the days that I discipline myself to follow my my kind of startup
0: routines. So how do you figure out what the ideal startup routine is for you? Is it just trial and error? Do you then just get into a habit? Did you actually start you know, writing this down or?
2: I actually started by I wrote it down. I had my list of things I was going to do. And I'm trying to think where I first got the idea. There's um Oh, is it the miracle morning? Is it Hal Elrod's miracle morning that he has certain things? And I kind of adapted that. And so for me, it would be you know, drink a big glass of water and do 10 minutes of meditation. And I use the Headspace app for that. And that's an ongoing challenge for me because my mind is usually going about 120 miles an hour. Uh, And then I pick up, I have a, you know, I always have a book that I'm reading that's something kind of motivational or inspirational or just interesting to me right now. I'm I'm rereading Carol Dweck's book Mindset, um, and I'll read a chapter or so of that, and maybe maybe a, a a few verses from the Bible or something like that, just to kind of calm myself and get a little centered for the day, and then some journaling. Um, and I do my version of morning pages, where I just will write three pages, handwritten, without stopping whatever's on my mind. Those are the things that work for me. And I think that I got the idea from, from the miracle morning thing and, and the morning pages and sort of morphed those into what worked for me. But, and I, for quite a while until it became habitual, I had it written on my to-do list in the order I was going to do it.
1: Yeah. That's what I was going to say it's the interesting thing is that list isn't, I don't check it off of in on anymore. It just happens now. And, it just took a, a question of time. And and I would add, in addition to the woo-woo stuff, that uh, a morning startup routine can involve, you know, say, I'm going to give, one of the things that was really liberating for me was I'll say, I'll give 30 minutes to email in the morning. And giving it 30 minutes was great because I catch up with all of the priority email. I, I catch up with some of the non-priority email, but not necessarily all of it. And then I work, and I don't spend the whole day goofing off an email, which is a, an easy trap for me to fall into. But but by putting it into that routine and giving it a hard stop really made a big difference for me.
2: Yeah, yeah. And the um, just doing those sorts of... See, for me, I've never been able to do the uh, only look at email a couple of times a day. Just because of the nature of my practice, I kind of have to have... I, I have to do email the other way around, which is it's mostly always open, but when I need to focus, I close it and, and put my head down and get the work done. But I try not to look at it until after I've done that routine, just to get my head, um, I don't know, centered is the only word I can come up with for it. It's so, uh, so important to me to feel like I am... Um, Going into my day with some semblance of of uh, not control over it, but that it's not just happening to me. I'm being intentional about it and i've I've kind of calmed my mind down a little bit and and be ready to focus
1: and what time do you start to kind of get like like the uh, I've always thought about the idea of morning pages? I read that book too. But um, stopping to write, handwrite three pages in the morning, I feel like I don't think I'd be able to focus on getting those three pages done because that—that's where my brain would be like, "Uh, you need to get some work done, buddy. You got you got tuition to pay."
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's the hard thing, though, David. Um,
1: But do you start earlier?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. So how how did you get past that?
2: I, I. Get up early, Uh, and so most days. Now, the last week or so, it's been a little bit different. And I always get messed up when we have the the time change. But uh, if I can get into my space in here by six o'clock, and then spend it, it, you know, the whole routine. I, I even if I can only spend a few minutes on each one, um, it helps. But if I trying to be leisurely about it, it probably takes about 45 minutes. And then, you know, then I got to go take a shower. And if I'm going to work out in the morning, I do that. Um, I still have days, though, when I'm sitting and I'm doing the writing, and I'm thinking, oh, there's that thing I've got to get done. And I've got, you know, people are waiting, and we've got a closing today. And I, and so I write that. You know, that's how I get past it. I just write whatever's in my brain and I know that it's good for me mentally, emotionally, whatever, psychologically. And, and I just keep reminding myself uh, of the value of it for me. You know, I, I, I think it works for a lot of people. I don't know that there's anything that works for everybody.
1: Sure. I, I do a thing at, in the evening because I also have a shutdown routine where I set aside time and I actually write handwrite out notes from the day at the evening but it's not the same thing as the morning pages which is a which is real I think it's a it's a level above what I do.
0: We are um we're we're about an hour and 20 minutes in and one of the things I want to make sure that I touch on before we we get too far down this rabbit hole is you know, being a, a working mom, and I know your, your kids are, are now away, but you went back to law school um, a, a little bit later maybe than than some people did. You, you had a family when you were, were juggling all of this, and, you know, you were really, really busy. When I don't know that I've ever talked about this on the show, but, you know, when, when I was, was growing up, when I was in um, middle school, and I think middle school, you know, my mom went back to school. And I she got her master's degree, you know, sitting at our kitchen table. She didn't have any of the fancy things that we take for granted. She didn't have a fancy office or, or, you know, fancy, you know, systems or those types of things. She just, you know, every night after she made dinner, you know, we sat down and did homework and she sat down and did her work and, you know, just plunged through it. And I think that's where, um, you know, I, I learned a lot watching her, you know, do that through, you know, several years of her life what different perspectives do you think you have um, that perhaps maybe we don't talk about all the time on our show? Because unfortunately, we don't have, you know, aside from the fact that we have me as, as the, the co-host, but we don't necessarily talk about productivity that often with, with other women on on the show. What, what insights and experiences do you think, you know, being a, a working mom and a, and a wife have, have brought to your take on productivity? How's that for a loaded question? I had to get it all out cuz I know we're running close on time. Yeah, so it, let me
2: give the, see if I can give the short answer to that. I I think that uh my experience of going to law school later in life and and after having been home, you know, as a homemaker for 10 years, then I went back to college and finished my undergrad degree and then went on to law school. And I have to, again, give mad props to my husband because he really stepped up and took over a lot of things while I was in law school that I had always done. He, he, and he usually would do dinner, uh, because I might still be at school studying or something. And then I'd come home for, for meals. Um, but I think what I, what I've come to conclude is that the, the concepts, the principles of productivity are true across the board, regardless of gender, regardless of career, regardless of age, those things are true. I think sometimes women have a different experience of it with it because of the way our minds work. And I, 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 I'm fumbling for words here because I don't want to stereotype. We're not all the same you know, all women aren't the same, all men aren't the same. And our experiences are unique. But we Women in general, and this is what I hear from my listeners that we tend to be hard on ourselves. We tend to think that whatever it is we're doing, we're doing it wrong and we should be doing something different. And for the most part, the men that I've spoken to don't worry uh, as much about whether they're doing it right. They think about whether it's working for them. And if it's working for them, then it's good. Um, I think my perspective as someone who went to school with a house full of kids, I mean, our youngest was a year old when I started law school. And, um, I, I certainly learned to be very efficient, but also to, to cut myself some slack. Um, because we, you know, nobody can do it all. I don't, you know, I, I I kind of smiled when you introduced me way back at the beginning as the ultimate productive woman. I don't consider myself the productive woman. I host a podcast called The Productive Woman. I get a lot of things done, but there are a lot of things I don't do. And I try to be very intentional about both of those things, the things that I am choosing to do and the things that I am letting go of. So I don't know if that's unique to because I'm a woman, but just having lots of hats to wear, I think that's going to apply across the board. And I encourage everybody to do that, to to be more intentional about what you're doing, what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to.
1: And the other big motto you said there is something I would like everyone, man or woman, to think is... Is it's okay, don't be so hard on yourself. I think that is the biggest problem that when I talk to people about stuff, is everybody is putting so much weight and baggage on themselves yeah. as they try and get better at this stuff.
2: I think that's right.
1: Uh, our last sponsor today is our friends over at Luna Display. Now, if you've got a Mac and an iPad, listen up because there's something missing from your setup. This is something that could change the way you interact with your devices. Something that you'll be so excited. To here finally exists, and that's the Luna display. I was so excited when they announced Luna display. I was one of the original backers, you know, when they did their funding campaign because it's an amazing product. What it does is um it allows you to use your iPad as a wireless wireless display for your Mac. now I know that there have been apps that have claimed to do that in the past, but they never really worked right. Uh Luna display is actually a piece of hardware. It's a little nubbin that plugs into the back of your your iMac or your MacBook and it broadcasts a signal that then your iOS device, and I use it with my iPad all the time. So that's right. Uh, you can have your iPad and the Mac you already own working together and it's insanely useful. In fact, earlier when we were talking about Microsoft Word and how I have to set styles, this is one of the things I do with Luna Display. I just use my iPad through my Mac to make changes with Microsoft Word that aren't available on the iPad app. It's great. So you connect it over Wi-Fi or USB and there's more sc- screen real estate. Like one thing you can do with Luna displays, you can just set up your iPad right next to your Mac and you've got a second display with it. Or you can take it and sit on the couch with your Apple Pencil and drive your Mac from you know the other room. You just plug in a little tiny piece of hardware in your Mac, install the app on your iPad, and you're off to the races. This means you can have multiple screens even when you travel. Like if you take this with you, let's say you're in a hotel room and you're working on a contract. You've got your, your MacBook Pro sitting there like Laura, and then she can put her big iPad next to it with the Luna display. She can have two screens right there without having to lug around an extra monitor. It's just your iPad. And you know, who wants to do that? You don't need to carry an extra monitor. You got your iPad, it'll do the job for you. So I've been using this thing, like I said, when they came on as sponsors, they said, hey, do you wanna get one to try it? I'm like, you don't need to send me one, I'm already in. I'm already all over this thing. I use it every day. So it's a a great little product and I can't get over how small it is. It just plugs in the back. I got the USB-C one so I can plug it in. I've got USB-C ports on my Mac, it works fine. And you don't have to just take my word for it. iMore likes it. They said Luna will change the way you do your travel workflow. TechCrunch likes it. Uh, They described the visual fidelity as frankly stunning. And Apple Insider said this is the first time a wireless solution has impressed them. And I would agree with Apple Insider. It really is. It's just immediate. They've even got a high def mode if you want to use every single pixel on your iPad. That's what I did. I immediately turned that on because I'm me. Um, so I know you're going to want one of these. So go right now to lunadisplay.com. Once you get there, enter the promo code POWER, P-O-W-E-R, at checkout for 10% off. So that you're going to get that 10% off because you'll listen to our show. Once again, that's lunadisplay.com and promo code POWER to let them know you heard about it here. Uh, give it a try. I've been really happy with mine. And thank you to Luna Display for all of your support of the Mac Power users.
0: Laura, I know we've been uh, going for a while, but we had so much to talk about. I want to close a with um, giving you an opportunity to share with us some of your must-have apps and utilities. These can be Mac apps or iOS apps. They can be stuff we've talked about before or maybe stuff we haven't really heard about on, on Mac Power users. So give us um, some of your favorite things that you use and tell us a little bit about how you're using them to get your work done.
2: Well, that's uh, most of what I use. Is probably because I l- learned about it on Mac Power Users. So, you know, th- all of the
0: usual suspects. Maybe pick some of the the non usual suspects then. I
2: can't I can't not mention Text Expander because I can't function without it. It's, uh, you know, for all the reasons you all have talked about. Um, some of the things that I. Um, load immediately onto every device, you know, my Macs, Backblaze. I think it's so important to have backup. I'm kind of a, a fanatic about that. I'm always reminding my listeners and my friends and family uh, to have some sort of backup system in place. One, one little tool that I don't know if you guys have talked about it much on the show, but that I use several times a day is called Snagit. And it's a, it's a little thing, sticks out the side of my screen that I can use to grab a little screenshot either of the whole screen of one window or of a piece of a window. I use it a lot to um, grab a screenshot of on my Mac of um, like a piece of a document that I'm talking with somebody about that they, rather than trying to explain, it's the third line down from, you know, the, from the top of page seven or something like that. I can just take a picture of it and stick it into an email and say this, here's what I'm talking about. That is a really great tool. Um, trying to think what else we talked about Asana that I use with my VA. Personally, I use OmniFocus to that's where my brain lives. Um, You know, Alfred and Hazel. um, I I use an extension on Chrome that is really useful to me called Speed Dial 2. And it basically just creates a a homepage in, um, in Chrome that has buttons for each of the websites that i go to all the time so i've got several rows of them and you can move them around and organize them uh, the way that makes sense to you so that i can quickly get to the websites that i need to get to so those are a few that I, I can think
1: of yeah it's funny you know you start using this stuff and it just becomes so second nature to you that you don't think about it until like you get a new mac and it's not installed
2: yeah yeah, that's that's for sure. And you know, I have my little routine when I because I just set had to set up that new MacBook Pro. You know, certain things have to go on right away. My my password manager, text expander, Dropbox. You know, OmniFocus has to get on there because I need it. Uh, otherwise, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. And Backblaze, of course. Um,
1: do you do anything interesting with text expander, I mean, Are there any like unique ways you use it that might help people out? Uh,
2: well you know, I have, like, I don't, I use it for certain things. Like I have little snippets for my phone numbers and I have several different phone numbers, so I don't have to remember those anymore. I use the date thing all the time uh, to when I'm labeling documents. I'm trying to think if there's anything interesting. I have several long, long, Kinds of things that I learned how to do from you, David. But you know, using where you can fill in the blank kind of thing. For um, I get lots, as I'm sure you do, lots of emails from people who, th- either they or someone they represent, they're just sure would be an awesome guest for the podcast. And uh, I have a snippet that replies to that, um, to those requests to let them know what I'm looking for, and. Why, at, the, at least at this point, I don't invite guys to be guests on the show. Um, so those are, you know, those are some of the things. I there, there are so many of them that I use. I'm trying to.
1: Yeah, no, it sounds like, but I mean, you're doing, you're doing what everybody does. You, you get the problems in your life, the, the 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 rusty spots, and you take care of it with a text expansion snippet.
2: Yeah, and I love how it will suggest. If you've typed something several times, it'll suggest, don't you want to snippet for that? And that's that's pretty helpful.
0: Well, Laura, tell people, uh, we've talked about the productive woman podcast, where they can find you, where they can find your show if they want to get more engaged and learn more about what you're doing.
2: Well, probably the easiest way is just to, to go to the website and it's theproductivewoman.com and you'll find the you know the show notes for the various episodes there. There are links to find the show in in um, iTunes and other podcast places. And there's a contact form there. I love hearing from people. So I'm also, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not there as as much as I should be. So probably the best place is just to go to the the website, theproductivewoman.com and uh, reach out to me.
0: we will put uh, links to your show as well as everything that we talked about um, in our show notes for this episode. If you want to continue this discussion, you can do so online in our forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. Or you can uh, check out Laura's uh, various ways to interact with her through her website at theproductivewoman.com. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we look forward to, to hearing more about your journey through productivity. Um, I do want to say thanks to our sponsors this episode. That would be 1Password, Omni, Squarespace, and Luna. And we will see you all next time.